Welcome to Turn a Page, the official comic book club for Nerd Initiative. Each week, the NI Bullpen will be covering the world of comics, talking to creators, deep diving into some fantastic stories, and much more. Now let's hand it over to the team and turn a page. Welcome to a very special edition of Turn a Page Nerd Initiatives Comic Book Club on YouTube. My name is Ken M. You know me as the host of the ODPH podcast, but also Nerd Initiatives Comics Editor-in-Chief. Joining me for this special conversation, the assistant editor of Nerd Initiative Comics, Marty Stoked. Marty, what's going on? How's it going, guys? Thanks for having me. Oh, absolutely. And if you're watching on video, he's to my right, your left. That's backwards. I well, you know, it is from their usual shows. That's how we usually do this. So I let you take it away because I don't even try doing your intro. Yeah, I'm an actual live and direct straight from the ODPH studio in that fantastic folding chair. Tis I off the cuff, Tom, nerd initiatives, pop culture connoisseur. Thank you as always. It's always a pleasure. Absolutely. And like we said, we have a special guest on the line that doesn't need an introduction, but we are definitely going to give him one because he rightfully deserves it. You know his work from such books as Radiant Black, Rogue Son, The Dead Lucky, No One, Inferno Go Red, and many, many more in the massive verse. But he also has a lot of great new projects on the way as well. And he is also known for a certain Power Rangers podcast that we'll definitely dive into a little bit from that. Yay. Returning to the show, ladies and gentlemen, please give a warm welcome to the one and only Michael Basudo. Michael, what's going on? Hey guys, uh, not much. A little, a bit of a slow day today, just sort of getting on top of some emails. Uh, lots of stuff going on though. So, you know, things are good. How are you guys? Very good. Very old. Yeah, it, it's, it's been a, a good snowstorm here in the uh, New York State. So uh, we've been digging out left and right uh, the past couple of days. But fear not, we are here and we're definitely excited to talk some comics with you. And definitely, I mean, 2023 was such a, a huge year for the Massiverse. And for you, like, how would you describe the the year of 2023? Oh, uh, uh, crazy. I mean, just truly crazy. Like, I think sort of at the start of the year, we had, you know, obviously at the start of the year, you're looking ahead at what you've got scheduled and you have an understanding. And then once you actually get into the middle of it and like, you know, we've, we were talking about what the catalyst war would mean in radiant black for a long time. And even with all of the knowledge of like decades of comic work between the whole teams and all of that, nothing could quite have prepared us for just on that book, how much work doubling your workload is, yeah. um, let alone adding in, you know, moon man. And I picked up the infernals, which we'll talk about, I'm sure. And, other books all continuing on and a Kickstarter for Inferno Girl Red and, uh, you know, planning a card game that we're working on and all sorts of projects uh, capped off by, like, I, I got to come to New York for the first time. I've never done that side yeah. of America before. We got to meet you. Um, yeah, I got to meet, like, a whole bunch of people and, you know, got to be on stage with Kid Cudi announcing his new book, like, a truly, uh, uh, like, an unfathomable experience. Um, so it was, a, it was a good year. It was a busy year. My hope is that this year will be a little slower, but, like, really getting our money's worth out of all the things that we really focus on, if that makes sense. Like, yes. spreading ourselves a little less thin and, and trying to put some focus into some other exciting stuff. So 
yeah, a, a crazy year, but I mean, this one's not going to be any different, I don't think. No, absolutely. I mean, 2023 was such a big year for you, and especially New York Comic Con. That had to just be such a, and that was your first time coming to New York City too, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I did an extra sort of week and a bit at the end of just getting to see it as a tourist, had a small panic attack in the M&M store. What's that place about? (laughs) I don't like that. (laughs) I just, I just don't like it. It's, there's not enough M&Ms for them to have a three-story store that's just about M&Ms. Yes, there are. It's America. Yeah, that was sort of what I learned, and that was sort of what that was sort of what I did not respond particularly well to. But I I love New York. I could have spent you know three four more weeks there, and getting to do that convention and meeting a whole bunch of people, and we had some issues with some stock at our table. We still got to move a whole bunch of comics to a whole bunch of new people. So, like that's that's the really exciting stuff is is getting to do that. No, absolutely. I mean, that's the one great thing about going to cons. You get to meet so many fans and just get that admiration, and especially for what you and the team have been doing there has been such a great year. And I know kicking off 2024, I know Marty is really excited to talk about a certain book coming out that's uh, only a few weeks away. Moon Man. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Moon Man. Yeah. So (laughs) we uh, yeah. So Moon Man, um, we got an advanced uh, review of it and we were blown away. I mean, the colors and the artistry and just the kind of concept is a little bit different than the normal superhero-esque um, genre, which is one thing I find refreshing with what you guys try to do is try to bring new ideas to the table. But how how has it been working with, you know, a, a superstar like Kid Cudi? And how is your, you know, editorial um, chops uh, changed working with somebody of that you know, of that caliber. I'm not saying like the other people that you're working with is of that caliber, but yeah, he's, he's, like, he's, he's got 3 he's million huge. Instagram followers. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Can you talk a little bit about that? Cause I know like when you first started, you, you ha- haven't really, you know, done any type of editing of a comic book and here you are like working with, working with yeah. a, an amazing, an amazing talent. It's, it's weird. I'm not going to pretend that it's not weird. Yeah. I think like, Everybody understands that, you know, I, I've worked with some really cool comics people and the single most famous comics person in the world is not remotely as famous as Kid Cudi is. Um, the really, the like, the thing that I would love to say is that he's lovely and it's just like working with any other person that we work with. Like, nice. obviously there's considerations about, like, we try, I try to take up less of his time than I might of someone else because he's a guy who's got a lot going on. Um, but, you know, like, I think people sort of might think that this is like, oh, you know, he just sort of like had a thought, gave it to us, let us do it. He's been super hands-on, like, co-wrote the script with Kyle, they broke the outline for this first arc and beyond over many years of working together. He was like super hands-on with character designs and what the suit looks like and what the other characters look like. And he's looking at layouts and pages and lettering and like really just like working with, you know, I'm also working on the Infernals with Noah, who is also new to comics. He's coming from like a a film screenwriting perspective and very much the same in that they both just like, okay, let's make a comic. Let's really like immerse ourselves in 
what that process is like and like really taking advantage of every part of it um it's been i mean it's been great you know like i don't have the most hands-on contact with him like he and kyle are pretty close and talking pretty regularly and i'm just sort of like okay guys here are our deadlines here's what we've got to hit i, I don't need to be as hands-on because kyle can be as hands-on and like i don't need to tell kyle how to make a comic book he's done that mm-hmm. heaps of times before um but working with him and and his team on his end and our team on our, our end it's been a real delight i hope we get to do it for ages is no. the dream Having that said, you know, that Kid Cuddy has really done this whole Moo Man persona himself and has developed the character over years and years and years. What was it like, those first initial steps going, you know, from his concept and the reality that he's created to putting it on the page? Like, has were, you yeah, know, so were there some difficulties or was it just smooth sailing? Like, I got this idea. Let's put it on paper. I will admit, like, I was not on this book for, for quite a while. I sort of came on as, like, a release date got sort of finalized. And then it was like, okay, we need to, to do that. But what I understand is, like, look, they had a lot of, it was a lot of conversations about, working out what the best version of this story was, what the interesting version of this story was, how to tell it in comics. But I don't think, like, there's no big blowout fights, there's no big arguments. It's just lots of back and forth between a bunch of really talented creatives trying to find the ideal version of a story. It was like, it's the dream. It's it's what you hope for on every book. And it's been really good on this. And, you know, then once we got to bring Marco and Igor and Hassan on to art and color and letter, again, just like, you know, we did, uh, there's pages that we tweaked and there's colors that we tweaked and letters that we tweaked right up until the print date for issue one, just trying to find the best version of this book. But certainly never like, it's my way or the highway from anyone. Really, everyone's been great to work with. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, especially too, he's he's coming in with such a big following too. I mean, there's got to be a lot of pressure to do this, but it sounds like he's really adapting to the comic lifestyle and just really focusing everything about making the best comic possible. Yeah. And like, you know, my understanding is that that's kind of what it's like on all the stuff he works on. Like when he's on a movie, he is immersing himself in like okay let's make a movie what does it mean to make a movie what can i learn about making a movie and he's been like that with comics it's been great uh that's yeah i mean oh go ahead marty no, i was just gonna say the the cover game and on on moon man like i'm super stoked i'm a huge nut for anything uh you know out in out in space and and really love that concept and i've just always been infatuated with that type of stuff so all of the covers like i want them all <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, so I will good. say, and like, so good. you know, I've gotten over the last couple of years to work with truly some of the greatest artists of our time. But being able to email people and be like, hey, I'm doing a book with a guy that you've heard of. Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> us being able to like email Bill Sinkevich and say, like, hey, yeah. you did the artwork yeah. for his first album. Would you then come and do a cover for us for this book? And to just get back the cover we got is like, you know, I can't, we can't do that on all of our books, but being able to do it here, there's someone, and I can't say who, someone who I've been a fan of for a very long time, who said yes, sent us through some cover sketches during the week. Uh, you'll be seeing that on a later issue. I won't say who it is, but like, really for me, I had to like hold in the like, okay, don't, 
don't gush in this email. You You're fan super boyed. cool and professional. Once they've <laughs> turned in the cover, then you can be like, hey, by the way, huge fan. That's amazing. It's, it's incredible. That, and just the colors. Yeah, amazing. That, that's the great part about, you know, creators in our generation right now, mm -hmm. getting that opportunity to work with, you know, our icons and who we've looked up to. And then we get to have our own little family. You know, because I know Ken and I did that when we met you in New York, just saying. Yeah. No, I mean, but it's, it's one of those moments, too. Like I say, when you, when you can just do that, and then when you see the book hit the shelves, too, and it's coming out January 31st, you know, it's going to be one that you're going, like, this is really happening. Like, it's got to feel like a dream. It's it's funny, right? Like, in a, in a lot of ways, once we send the book to the printer, it just goes out of my mind because... Uh, it has to because you know that means that the next issue is due in four weeks and like we got to move on we got to keep going um so it doesn't really become real for me until the comps delivery arrives and mm -hmm. i get like a box with some copies in it and then once it's physical it's like oh we made a real book and like truly then it kind of goes out of your mind again and it wasn't until i went and like rearranged some stuff on my shelf and i was like well we made a lot of these things like there's a lot of boxes in the spare room just full of comics that we made yeah i mean that's it's just... uh it's it's strange and and i don't know that i'm ever going to get used to it to be honest yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, I'm just happy you got you got Igor coloring it because he, um, like, I haven't been in comics for a long time, but he has quickly become just like one of my favorite colorists because everything that he does pops, and it's it, it's just incredible. And this issue is is you know nothing nothing less than extraordinary when it comes to the colors, and and I can't wait to see where this book goes. I mean, yeah, just the just the cover alone like is so eye catching. Like I've been reading comics with my, my daughter and she's like, I want to read that. And I was like, you can't read that. You <laughs> not a book should, for you. Probably nope, not a book for you. And she, I don't she, remember she, if she's it like, ended it up at T plus no. or M, but probably yeah. not a book for a child. Yeah. No, but she, she just like picked it up and she's like, this book looks cool. And I was like, yeah, it's real cool, but not, not right now, not for you. But yeah. I mean, it's so. The it's, thing it's that so I should just say briefly about Eagle is like, you know, we all knew from Inferno Go Red that he could do that. Like, mm. we went, you know, we knew going in that he could do that. And then he gave us a whole book where he did that and yeah. is, you know, about to start giving us that on a whole second book. But I think between this and Deep Cuts, he's really started, like, stretching and flexing and trying something new. Each new issue of Deep Cuts, I don't know if people are across this, it's like, each issue is a 48-page mm -hmm. story from the history of jazz. It's a six-issue miniseries where I think issue four is about to come out or has just – issue four might have been out last week when we Just came out this. last week. Just came out last week. Yeah, issue five, we're putting the finishing touches on. Issue six is in progress. Um, Igor's colors in that are, like, crazy. Like, he's done – you know, we're five issues in. He's done five completely different styles – none of which look like his regular work. His Moon Man work, again, looks totally different. It's really exciting to be working with someone over a longer stretch of time and really getting to see them like, I don't know if he could do this the whole time and just I'd never seen it, or if he's finding it as we go, but really getting to see people stretch and discover new tools in their tool chests is really one of the most exciting parts of the job. It's the best part about jazz, man. You, you'll you always find a new riff somewhere. And Deep Cuts is such a, a vastly, you know, 
I, in my opinion, is like it's underrated just because the work that's being done in there doing each decade and going from New Orleans to Chicago to now with the issue four with New York, it's such a unique vision. And yet it tells such a story self-contained, but yet it keeps the the main sense of like the power of music involved with it, too. And seeing Igor's work just shine through it. I mean, it's phenomenal. Yeah. That's one of those books that like, you know, is not getting the, it's not selling a billion copies, which I don't think, I don't think surprised anyone in particular, but I think we all have a hope that like, once that book is together in trade and it's a, you know, it's six 48 page issue. So it's going to be a real thick trade. I think once that's a book that can be, on shelves with like other music books and you know in slightly different sections of bookstores to where the comics normally are i'm really hoping that that book will find a sort of second life in that world among like music people and people who don't know a lot about jazz who really get to discover it through that book is so instead of taking eight they're taking 24s or 32s in music terms well played Thank you. But no, but it just it, it shows another side of the creativity that's going on, you know, with black market narrative and especially too, because you have Moon Man, Deep Cuts is now out too. And then there's another book. I mean, obviously it's not connected. No, but with... it is infernally good. Yes, it is. Oh boy. So I mean, Marty, you know about that one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So so this book we got an advanced copy of too. And we're actually gonna be talking with Noah. I actually kind of booked an interview with him and Ryan and and yep. uh, the the rest and of the John? creative team and yeah John, um, and I'm excited to talk about it because it it's like a kind of a horror book. It gave me a little bit of Dark Ride meets old school Dracula, like that that book that's out there. But like it's a completely different story, and I I freaking love it. Um, it's a really cool concept. And how how did how did that one come about? Because that one, I felt like that one almost came out of nowhere. Like it wasn't really, all of a sudden it's like, boom, Brian's putting out a new book. And now he's like, he's pushing it a ton on, on socials. And he's showing uh, like all these great, these great pictures of like these demonic um, the characters and stuff like that to, to try to drum it up. But like it came out, it feels like it came out of nowhere. Yeah. I mean, I'll let those guys tell you the sort of full story of, of the backstory, but certainly on my end, you know, I've known Ryan for a couple of years since before Rogue Sun, like interviewing him for the Power Rangers stuff that he was doing. And uh, he and Noah have known each other for a really long time as well. So as this book started to come together, you know, they found John and Hassan without me, like the book was sort of assembled and I think that they just went sort of like, oh, you know, Ryan's done a lot of books, but his only image book is Rogue Son that I'm also on. This is Noah's first time in comics. John's done a bunch of comics, but in sort of like sort of at other publishers who are a bit more hands-on. And I think everyone that went like, oh, we could use someone to, who like knows how this process works at Image and can really help deliver it across the finish line. And so I I got to come in, you know, Ryan recommended me and I had a chat with those guys and like, they're just, they're, they're great to work with. It's a great book. It was basically fully formed when I came on, like issue one's been done for months and months. Issue two is done. Issue three is well underway. They knew what the rest of the first arc looked like. I didn't have to do a lot of like molding and shaping. 
Uh, I just got to be like, okay, guys, well, Image says we can release it in February, so this is when everything has to be done by, uh, which is lovely. Lovely when it's nice and simple for me like that. Um, and it's, yeah, it's this book, like, I think there's, a, there's some succession DNA in there in that it's also about sort of a father who is looking at the end of his life and he's trying to work out who is going to replace him. Um, but instead of those people just being sort of metaphorically the worst people you've ever met, now they are, he is literally the son of the devil and they are his children with actual magical powers and, you know, they are disputing over who gets to take over his throne afterwards. Um, so that's a really, it's a really exciting book that I just get to like, just get to help make come in on time. I don't have to do a lot there. Yes. Yeah, do you know if it's going to be like a, a mini or, you know, a, a maxi or like I think ongoing? the I think the official word right now is like the first arc is five issues. Okay. Everyone knows what they would love to do beyond that. Uh, we are just waiting to see what the numbers look like, what the support looks like before we make a decision either way. But certainly like it's a it's a strong five issue first arc and everyone knows what would happen after that is what i would say nice that's awesome yeah it it feels like it could go a decent run um uh, and it has a, a good chunk of story behind that yeah. could be behind it which is it's awesome really really excited to see what happens there and plus it's also slated to come out on valentine's day so if anybody's looking for a good gift to pick up the infernals number one I mean, yeah. well, I mean, it's. Perfect. I'm giving it to my wife. I'm saying you have to. I should just, if your if your partner is sort of like deeply religious, <laughs> I'm gonna say it might not be the best gift. Oh, this would be perfect <laughs> to come right back in my face. <laughs> yeah, just you know, maybe flick. Through. I I I think it feels like good advice. Whatever you're going to give your partner on Valentine's Day, just flick through it first. You know, like. Make sure you know what you're giving them. That's a lesson for life, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, but that's why you should yeah. buy two copies of it. So then if one, unfortunately, is not accepted, you still have one for yourself. See, that's... Yeah, that's when they, like, it. throw it in the fire because it's <laughs> yeah. cursed or whatever, you've still got one that you can put in your bag and board and save in your collection. Exactly. Exactly. So this book sure. is, you know, really different from anything that's in the multi-massive uh, verse, you know, being how your maestro master verse or massive verse, excuse me, you know, was there any really challenges editing this project or even moon man or, you know, how is it, do you approach this any differently than any of your other books? I really don't to be, I think what's interesting is every book is different and needs to be approached differently, but in a lot of ways that is less about whether or not it takes place in the shared universe and more just about the, I don't want to say pedigree because that's a, a gross word to use like this, but the experience of the team so far, like, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Radiant Black, Kyle and Marcelo have made a lot of comics mm -hmm. and especially at this point, nearly 30 issues in, I've made a lot of comics together and have made a lot of this comic together. So it's not a situation where I need to be super hands-on, right? Because... Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, if if Marcelo sends a layout and Kyle has a note, Kyle won't feel weird about giving the note or like Kyle will just give the note and Marcelo will understand the note nice and easy. On a book like this, you know, you have Ryan and Noah have known each other for a long time, but they're both new to John. Like they never worked with John before. Neither of them, none of them have ever worked with Hassan before. Actually, John 
odds are good that John has on something, but you know, they've never worked on this project before. So it's a situation where it just have to be like, the emails have to be a little clearer and a little more like, these are the dates. Here is a bullet point list. Everybody like make sure that we're all on the same page in a way that, you know, if this book runs 20 issues, things will get looser in that communication over time because Noah will know how to make comics in that way. He'll have learnt the process. They'll have all learnt to work together. So that's different. Moon Man is different, again, because we've got, you know, again, a new creative team. Kyle knows this comic grind. Marco is kind of a little new. We've got Igor, who knows what he's doing. It's every experience is different because the people are different. And the sort of whether or not it's in the massive verse doesn't, I don't know that it would change. It would change some things because like it would mean coordinating supermassives and it would mean like making sure they don't blow up the moon because that'll ruin <laughs> something else or whatever. Um, no one has plans to blow up the moon at the moment. I always use that as my <laughs> example and I don't know why. Uh, but, you know, there would be a little more sort of making sure it interweaves and intermingles. But for the most part, you know, we don't have those and it's it's pretty straightforward, I guess. Now, since you are King Massiverse, as, as you know, it's, you know, we're talking about this uh, going into the Catalyst War, you know, so far as the yep. biggest event in Massiverse. And as you are the uh, the guardian of Massive, as it is, how's it been your expand experience so far handling this huge event that's going on? Something that we talked about really early on when we once Kyle and Marcelo had sort of made a plan of like, this is what we want this event to be. And I'd said, are you sure that's going to be a lot of work? And they said, yes. And I was like, okay, cool. One of the things we really talked about was like, how do we do an event comic that doesn't derail all the other books in the universe? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, ultimately what we settled on is this version where it's a big event and a huge thing that's happening where alien robots have invaded Chicago, but they are there to challenge Radiant Black. And they, like, Nathan or Marshall would get help from Bibi or from Dylan or from Cassia if they were able to reach out to her or no one if that was helpful in some way. But all of this stuff is happening quite fast. Mm. They don't know what's going to come next and it's going to be directed at them. So it doesn't make a lot of sense for like Dylan to move to Chicago for six months, you know, and yeah. like be Rogue Sun around. And also at the same time, Dylan wasn't Rogue Sun for a while, you know, like he's still not Rogue Sun. He does not, he is not in control of his body. Spoilers for Rogue Sun volume three. Um, so even if he wanted to go help, he could not go help. BB is, uh, her city is under like giant robot martial law, basically, uh, everybody's got their own stuff going on, which means that the focus of Catalyst War gets to be Radiant Black and it stays a Radiant Black event while still expanding out in other interesting ways that we will be able to talk about later. Yeah, I mean, that's something too. With this event, like when it was approached to you, like what was your initial reaction? Because obviously- Oh, no, we no, we can't do that. That's insane. Absolutely not. Yeah. I, I would not have two, to- Each issue is two issues. That's two times as many issues. Absolutely not. I feel like that's your go-to response. Kyle wants to do what? No, that's nuts. And then you guys I do it. I really try to say <laughs> yes. as my, Like, I don't like 
being the guy whose job it is to say no, especially because I don't actually have any power to stop anyone from doing these things. Can we just um, like start a hashtag of damn it, Kyle? We, what we I could. try to do is we could, it wouldn't help me. So don't bother. <laughs> what I try to do when I have objections and concerns is just like articulate them, be like, okay, if we're going to do this, this is what that is going to mean. This is what we are going to have to do. And then if everybody who has thought about those still says, yes, let's do it, then we've thought about all the problems and we can start considering them ahead of time. So like issue 19 of Rogue Sun, which has not been solicited yet, has a formal twist to it. I don't mean like suit and tie. I mean, in the format of the book. Like mm. issue seven was a choose your own adventure issue, but this is a different thing. Okay. And we had some concerns up front about what that formal twist will mean when we're collecting it, right? Mm. Um, but what we did was we just talked about them up front. We were like, so I don't know what that means when you put it in a trade. And we came to, well, we think we could do this or this or this we think there's a bunch of solutions and once we've made the issue we'll be able to work out which of those solutions works best and enact that solution right and that's what that's sort of how i view my like my whoa 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 slow down job is yeah. <laughs> now that we've considered it everybody can go full speed ahead on committing to that sort of twist on the format and then we don't have to stress about how it'll work because we've already stressed about it. Well, I'm intrigued. So there will be more information. I think it'll be solicited in either February or March. So you should hear about it pretty soon. Um, you know, with Catalyst War, it's okay. So here are the concerns. We have to get another artist because Marcelo can't draw two issues. We probably have to get another colorist because whoever is going to color it can't color that many on that sort of schedule. Mm. Beyond that, there's narrative concerns. Like, what does it mean to do split timelines? Which timeline is the timeline going forward? Is it one of them? Is it both of them? Do they merge back together? What? How does that all resolve? How do those two issues cross-play and interact with each other? Because people are going to be reading both. You want people to be reading both. You don't want people to get two basically identically stories in a row mm. but also if they're too different especially early on they diverge too much and they don't feel like the same timeline with one little split also how do we collect is it a timeline a trade and a timeline b trade is it intermixing between them are we like alternating pages and chunks from the different series what are we doing? And then once we considered all of those questions and come to solutions, it was time to get started on making it happen. And so Kyle and Joe sat down to write two endings for issue 25 and we haven't stopped since. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's such it's such an ambitious task too. Because like to think about the whole idea came out, like to take it back to the Jason Todd vote, if you will. Thank you. And then to yep. put that fate of the main character in the fans' hands, I mean, it's so ambitious and, and, and like so next level thinking too. And then to see it play out that like this has just been such an ambitious task moving forward because you do have two separate storylines going on. And you're like, if you read both of them, you're getting the entire story. But if even if you don't, you follow your favorite uh, Radiant Black, it's still 
plays out that you're going like this is one heck of an event and then when you've you know how this is all going to end is going to be anybody's guess but it's just such a, a yeah, next so level of thinking since you brought that up here's what i want to know who do you think is going to be radiant black after the event and is it the person you voted for um if you guys want me to go first go no ahead. one no one go ahead okay no one do you mean no one the character from the book no one or no one not a person no one not a person interesting okay okay i think it's gonna be marshall and i voted team nathan i am team nathan all day do you feel like that was the correct vote given what you've seen so far um as in like if i think marshall is worthy of it you know, like things have gone, things have gone interesting directions for the two of them. Yeah. So far, do you, I like if the if Nathan was radiant black and Nathan's timeline was the one that stayed, gotcha. would you be happy with the vote that you made? Yes. Okay. Yeah. No, I I really think that there's more to it. Like I think with Nathan's is just an, uh, for me personally, it's just more interesting dynamic. Like with Marshall, okay. Marshall's a little more. Uh, uh, just a little more care. I don't want to say careless because I don't think that's the right word, but he's a little more reckless in certain degrees, which I mean, it, it's high risk, high reward. But I think for how things have played out, I think Nathan's story is kind of just for me as a reader, like I connect with a little more. Okay. If I can go yes. go on about that real quick, you know, I think that with yeah. everything that's been going on with the back and forth, who's radiant black and powers and, and the two separate timelines. I honestly think I wouldn't be surprised if you guys just flip the script and go with someone new right at the end. That's okay. This happened. Boop done. That's what it is. Like if, if, possibility. if, if we're going to sure. go in two directions, say sharp left, there's a third route. Brayden. Oh, it's their, it's their baby. They can yeah. write it how they want. I was going to say he could be the, the ultimate option there. <laughs> Marty go. I'm sorry. You no, know, that's fine. Your uh, pick. So yep. I'll, yeah. So, I mean, up until the event, like I thought Marshall was doing a good job coming into his own. I saw it, you know, you see his faults. I was like, okay, I could see Marshall, Marshall being the guy. But throughout this event and what you guys have done from a writing and, you know, you make us care about both characters, which makes it really challenging. And at the end of each issue, I feel myself flip-flopping between who I wanted and who I didn't want. And like right now, like I think, you know, the, the way that Nathan is going like he's more worthy of it right now, for, in my opinion, mm. for sure. Just given his leadership abilities, his thought process and how he's tackling problems, um, his teamwork aspect of bringing people together. It's got that like Power Rangers vibe to it or, you know, teamwork makes a dream work. Like you're going to get better. You're going to do more together. Um, and um, so I think, you know, right now, like it's definitely Nathan, um, but I can totally see, you know, it going left and us ending up with somebody new um i could i could probably see myself somehow flipped again at the end of this next issue because i mean you've got what 28 29 and and 30 so like just just thinking about it story wise right it's going to get crazier in 28 29 is going to be an absolute like wrecking ball of an issue and then 30 like you got two timelines so either mm-hmm. you're going to put them back together you're going to keep them split and have infinite earths. And I know you, you you guys were using the the crisis and then the infinite earths, like the titles and the play on jokes and stuff. I love that because, yeah. you know, it's, it's just like I read Crisis of Infinite Earths, you know, a little while ago. And I was like, this is like ridiculous. And so, <laughs> you know, just just having just having that little interplay is great. It's our our version of it where we can all relate to it. Um, but on top of that, though, like how is 
everything that's going on with the catalyst war, right? The, the, all the worlds are interconnected. You have supermassive 2024 coming out. You got the, you got, um, and for IGR book two coming out, which we're all super excited for. And, and it's gotta be the lasting effects of whatever happens at the end of this has to have some, some sort of ripple effects into the rest of the universe in some way, shape or form rogue sun, you know, maybe, maybe whatever happens has some ripple effects into that little tidbit of what you were describing earlier of, of, of the rogue sun book. I mean, dead lucky. We don't know what's happening with dead lucky. It's, it's going to be like 12 issues that we know of right now. Maybe the catalyst war ends her character for now. And we see her doing cameos or something at a later date. Like, so I feel like there's a lot of a, a real lot of implications that are going to happen in 30 and it's probably going to make me cry. <laughs> I guess all that I would say from here is like, obviously uh, for people who read both versions of issue 27, that very much cements those two as very different going forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. In, in not in just in universe terms, but in sort of meta textual, like stepping back, like, like a, a bad thing happened to a guy and that's going to change those two. So 28 and 29 are similar in the ways you've seen so far, but are starting to grow much more different. 29 and 30 are where sort of the brakes come off the veering apart and you start getting quite different stories between those two issues. And, um, you know, we had a call quite recently to just really make sure that everyone was on the same page and and locking some stuff in. Um, <laughs> I am really fascinated to see what people's opinions are because, like, I I saw the results of the vote and uh, I, we can't talk about it yet. It feels insane to not be able to talk about it because it was, you know, six, seven months ago at this point. But wow. yeah. once we're at the end of the event, we can really talk about who people picked and how we ended up where we've ended up and all of that. It's going to be, um, it's going to be we, some, it's going to be exciting times. Do we have a number between how many this way or how many that way, how many votes it was? this way i don't have it to hand from memory it was never further apart than like 60 40 wow that's you said jason it was yeah that's (laughs) it was always very close that's the testament of the writing and the art and everything working together in concert and and having you guys like make us care about the characters i think that was the dream right because if the vote had gone 100 zero then if everybody wants the same thing then we've screwed up doing a vote because we could have just done it and everyone would have been happy and why do we put all this time into it the fact that it was really razor's edge for almost the entire time means that people will have strong opinions and i guess what i hope is once we resolve everything people whose vote didn't win whether that's half of you or all of you because it's no one or a brand new person Mm. i hope that those people will understand where the book is at moving forward from there and we'll stick around with this for a bit to see what the book looks like you know volume seven issue 31 and beyond now with that you know we've got obviously marty touched on it uh supermassive 2024 is this going to take place right after the resolution or a little bit further down past the Catalyst War that things are kind of now cemented or is it just going to be raw that we have to deal with it right in that? If that's too much, I mean... That's a, 
this is why I do this. <laughs> Supermassive 2024 takes place very, very close to the end of Catalyst War. Okay. Okay. Um, it is it like the the consequences of the event will play out in that book in some ways. Uh, what exactly that means, I will, you know, there's still three issues for you to find out what the consequences of that event are. But um, yeah, I think it's fair to say that book will be coming out after Catalyst War ends. And the reason for that is we want you to have read the end of Catalyst War before you get to that event. It, it, that being said, is it, would you say Supermassive 2024 is the epilogue to the Catalyst War? Ooh, like it. In some ways and not in others. Like okay. the thing about Supermassive is it will do the same thing that all of our other Supermassives did, which is we really want it to stand alone. So it is not an epilogue in the sense that we will like collect it with the end of Catalyst War and you have to read it to understand what's going on going forward. What I think it will do is it will it will give you some additional information about some things that are going on sort of at the end of that event, uh, if that is something that you are interested in picking up and it's going to be a real banger, I hope you do. Mm -hmm. um, but it will also, you know, also continue like uh, Rogue Sun after issue 18 is not out, but after issue 18, we've sort of got a, a slightly different new status quo in that book. And it will pick up some of that as well. It'll pick up with where BB is at the end of her volume two. Um, I don't want to say who else is in it, but some other folks, maybe potentially. Um, who can say? I'm very, I very specifically capped my list before I said Cassia was in it. Yep. So uh, it's up to you to find out if she is in the book once we've announced it properly. Um, but you know, we we've started, we built a surprisingly big universe, and there's a lot of folks who could start showing up in these things. Um, and some of them will. So uh, I'm very excited about it. I think we had a couple of different ideas for it and we settled on something that's really exciting to me and really interesting. I don't think we've said who the artist is, but the artist has started. Um, and I owe them an email about their layouts, actually, so I should really get on that this afternoon. But their work is going to look really cool. Um, I'm I'm very excited to watch this what you guys react to this book once it's out <laughs> uh, it's it's one of my most anticipated books of 2024 you you said something there about uh surprise guests so to speak does that mean we're getting some new additions to the massive verse or are we just kind of alluding to cameos yeah, i guess i will say uh, at this point i would not be expecting the massive verse to expand a lot at the moment Okay. Um, like frankly, just from a production standpoint, everybody's run to pretty much their edges. Mm -hmm. Um, if we were to reach a point where like a couple of books were to reach a natural end, start to wrap up, then potentially those books might get replaced by other things. But I, I would say like the, we're not going to bring you like a brand new character coming out of Supermassive twenty twenty four. Okay. Um, but. You know, I think like all of our books have exciting broad casts in them now. Mm -hmm. And like, here's one that I will say that is not in Supermassive 2024, but I have it sort of written down is like, it feels like it would be weird for no one to show up in a Supermassive just because like, what's that guy doing there? How'd he get there? Mm. But I would really love one day to get Teddy and Julia, the reporters from no one out to 
Chicago to like work on a story or like in New Orleans on a holiday, you know, like on location. Every book has not just main characters, but supporting characters. And all of them are technically speaking, provided they survive their stories that they're currently in available for us to tell stories with at some point down the line. And that's all I'll say on the matter for now. Okay. So flip, I want to flip, I want to flip the script just a little bit from here. Sure. We've been talking a ton about books. I want to talk about this really, really cool concept that you guys have for new readers that's coming out very soon that we're very excited about that you announced on Twitter and, and other social platforms about having the collected first yep. editions of all the books. So us at Nerd Initiative, we're definitely going to be doing a giveaway for that because we think that's really cool. I mean, Love for th this, this personally for me hits like hits me in the feels because I got into comics and like four years ago and, and here I am now talking to you guys and, you know, writing reviews and stuff like that. Um, Radiant Black was my first true, first true book that I picked up and, and that I, that I connected with after Invincible. I picked up Invincible because of the show, heard Kyle on the Invincible podcast. And I was like, wow, this sounds really awesome. So like this hits me like I'm almost crying right now. This hits me in the feels and I've gone down this path ever since. But like like what you guys are doing is really cool. And that's a really cool concept. And I love that. I know the market right now around trying to keep readers connected is is rough is or not as good, not as favorable, we'll say. Um, what other type of things besides that are you trying because this world is so established now? to bring in new readers and to bring and to keep to keep uh, existing readers um, with with the additional things that you're doing media wise to, to try yeah, to so I guess keep the momentum going. Is what I would say is just for anyone who hasn't seen this news in July, we've got a trade coming out. It's called Across the Massive Verse Volume One. Uh, it collects issue one of Radiant Black Rogue Sun, The Dead Lucky and Inferno Gold Red Book One. Uh, it's $9.99. It's regular trade paperback size. Um, but I think the thing that we've discovered is that when we can put these books in people's hands, people really get into them. Like, I, I think you guys understand that. I think a yeah. lot of people who are listening oh, yeah. to this one understand that. Like, there's good stuff in there. The problem is, by God, the number of entertainment options that people have, even within comics, but certainly once you take a step back outside of comics like if i just listen to every podcast i've heard is good that would be me settled for the rest of my life mm. they'd never have to make new podcasts so what we wanted is we've got this whole broad spectrum of books and i think people who love some books will love other books but i've certainly seen and certainly understand Every book has, I think, I don't think there's any book we've put out where I haven't seen someone being like, that's my favorite and that's my least favorite, right? Mm -hmm. And so what we wanted was a really affordable way that people could jump in and discover the universe. And like, if they put, if they pick this book up and they go, oh, I really like Rogue Sun and The Dead Lucky and Radiant Black and Inferno Go Red are not for me. Great, we've got those books. Like, there's more of both of those that you can go out and get. But you just got to find out for like two bucks a book, basically, which of those things you really liked. And it's good for you guys. It's good for us. It's something that all of our people can have at tables at conventions for really like $10 is a great entry price. I think that's a steal. Um, it's getting a sampler yeah. pack. It's literally, yeah. you're, you're giving yeah. it a sampler pack. 
Yeah. And so getting to say like, okay, you're interested in everything. I could sell you volume one of all of our books. I'd love it if you were willing to do that. If you're not ready to jump in yet, here's Across the Massiverse volume one. Check out a couple of different things. See what really speaks to you. And then once you're invested, you can come back and pick up all of the rest of it and discover the breadth of the universe. Um, so I'm really excited about this. This book has been on the cards for, I want to say like 18 months or something. And it was just, you know, production reasons, schedule reasons that it's finally, we finally put it on the calendar and are finally getting it to come out. In terms of other stuff we're doing, like, uh, do you guys know about the Massive vs. Fighting Card Game? Yes. Yes. Yep. Yes. Looks so oh, cool. No. Oh, we're going to get a tease? Yeah, I've got. So Ooh. I can hold this up. Uh, I could show you this great box Ooh. that I designed with the help of the wonderful Dan Mora. Um, <laughs> this is coming out. It's coming to Kickstarter in the next couple of months. These are some uh, sort of early production sort of test versions that we sent out to a couple of people. Um, I will just, I'll show you here. And we've got all of these cards that oh. I sleeved full of, Nice. Full of original art and cool gameplay. Matt and I played a couple of rounds of this on the weekend. I think he beat me three times in a row. That's fine, and I'm not <laughs> mad about it at all. Yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> that, again, is a project that, first of all, is obviously something that we really wanted to do and really love to do. Getting to design an entire card game is very much a dream come true for me. Mm. Um, but also, my hope is that puts the massive verse on a completely different kind of store shelf that we yes. have not been on in the past. Yes. There's a whole bunch of people who might be looking at a Marvel game and a DC game and see this next to it and go, I don't know what that is. Mm -hmm. And there's a flyer in here that tells them a bit more about what the massive verse is and, and how they can find some stuff out. Uh, we've got, you know, I think our website's on the back cover somewhere. Um, and then hopefully if they could, they could go from that to, I don't know, say across the Massive Verse Volume 1, which contains the first issue of all four of those characters' stories. And then if we're lucky, we just got potentially a brand new to comics person. We might have just gotten a board gamer into the whole ecosystem of comics. Mm -hmm. That's the dream, right? Smart. Uh, and on top of that, for all of the people like you and I who already love this stuff, we built, we made a kick-ass card game. The guys at Solace <laughs> did such a great job with this thing. I'm so happy with it. Um, and, you know, it's stuff like that I'd love to do more of in the future. Matt and I play a lot of video games and send a lot of messages like, we couldn't build a video game, right? And the answer is no, we couldn't. We're all way too busy and we don't have the skills to do it. But you um, could. But if I mean the right partner came along, someone who had the skills and the experience, you know, it's um I think a lot of people say things like it would be great if they made an animated TV show or a live action TV show. And God forbid, like if anyone's if anyone's out there with like ten million dollars, um, yeah, great. Send it to us, we'll make that happen. But my hope is that we can, while we keep the books going, explore some of these other sort of multimedia tie-in possibilities and try and just expand the world for the people who love it and expand the visibility for the people who don't know that they love it yet. If you're going to build a video game, you have to have a bonus world 
of hold ball or a, or a mini game of hold ball. Mm. You got to tell Matt that. I mean, he wrote all of awesome. those rules for that sport. It's <laughs> yep. so up. complicated yeah, and it shows up not at all. <laughs> I think, all. I don't think this is a spoiler. Two panels. I think there's a hold ball section in Inferno Go Red Book 2 just oh, because nice. Matt was like, we have to, I wrote all of these rules. It has to show up. I don't actually remember if it ended up in the script or not. If it didn't, I'm going to demand it be in book three. It needs to be. Yes. Please. Although I do also kind of like the idea of them constantly going to this weird field that's like half parkour (laughs) course, half basketball, and we never see anyone play a sport on it ever. It's like three seashells. Yeah. Exactly. We just never explain it. (laughs) Oh, my God. So aside from everything that's going on with the massive verse, with Moon Man, with Infernals, I mean the the card game. Like, what else do you have going on? I mean, we've got the podcast also. You know, we got the Ranger Danger going on mm-hmm. with our wonderful friend Matt. You know, I mean, what don't you have going on? Uh, sleep, healthy relationships, food. You know, all of the all of the stuff. This I'm not gonna lie. You know how it sounds like a lot of stuff? It's a lot of stuff and it's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I said earlier about part of the goal of this year is like really trying to streamline as much of those processes as possible to make it a little healthier for everybody who's involved. Um, we have, there's a few more projects that we have not announced yet that are, I guess what I would describe as active. Like there's there's couple of other things that are sort of blue sky maybe someday let's talk to some people and see if it happens um there's two new comics projects uh that will be announced within the next six months i don't i don't know specifically when i think um both of which are really exciting for really different reasons and i think people will really dig them once i am allowed to talk about what they are which is just not yet Oh come on, your commander massive verse. You can you can tell us. Uh, I uh, one of them I would get in a lot of trouble, and one of them I would get in slightly less trouble. So okay. I cannot do that. But yeah, we've got um we've got we've got some stuff coming still this year that will surprise you. We like stuff. I like surprises. Well, I mean, it's, I hope it's, that they're good surprises. I think they are. Well, it's it's a testament to the brand that you guys have created. I mean. I, and this is no lie. I mean, there's this is 100% fact. When we go into a comic shop and there's a new Massiverse book that comes out or an event book that comes out, fans are talking and fans have raised that expectation that high and rightfully so because of the quality of work that everybody's putting in. So, yeah, I mean, I could imagine just fans are going to be excited to hear about the new projects coming out and hopefully that just carries in through the, the remainder of the year. I mean, obviously to see where it's been to where it's now and just just the excitement going on with the Catalyst War, the end of no one coming out, Supermassive 2024, IGR Book 2, and then everything else coming with it. I mean, it's just you know so much amazing work. And then just to keep snowballing and just keep growing this out, I mean, that's got to be the biggest you know testament there. You know, and it also, you know, you obviously can tell this isn't editing. Ken and I are actually in the same spot. You go into our local shop, Everything you guys do is in one giant shelf. Yep. No kidding. And then every single week when the new one comes out, you know, it goes right up on the new releases. And it's not like just off to the left. It is right there. So when you turn right into the store, straight down in front, of you, you're going to see the new stuff. That's really lovely to hear. And I guess my hope is like 
obviously I hope the books sell because it lets us keep doing the books, but also we've had a lot of support from retailers over the last couple of years. And I really hope the books sell for them. Like I hope that their support of us is rewarded in people supporting those stores and going and getting those books from them. And uh, like that's it's, it has to be a relationship that works for everybody. And my hope is, I think it's working for us at the moment. I think it's working for readers. I really hope it's working for retailers as well, that when they see a book that we've put together, they know that they can trust us and take a bit of a swing on it. And like, we'll see. Uh, it's it's so, it's a complicated business to be in comics, um, mm. but I think things are going pretty good. So we're not yeah, complaining. I have no complaints. Yeah. <laughs> Me either. Well, some, okay, sometimes I am complaining, but not when I'm on podcasts. It's all right to complain, but you know what? Obviously, for what you what you all have done, I mean, this has just really just been such a DIY movement, and especially for readers like Marty, who's just coming into comics and having just this work and being so open for new readers to come in, and then even you know older ones like myself who really like to see superhero stories but I don't like it feeling like it's the same old stuff and I like seeing a kind of reflection of the times we live in. And I think that that is a, what you and everybody at the team at Black Market Narrative have do flawlessly. So, I Thank mean, you. Oh, I really appreciate that. I mean, you know, we're, we're, we're trying. That's all. That's really all any of us can do. And uh, it's just, it's really gratifying when it really resonates with people. So thanks. No, absolutely. Like, I, I think you, you guys are just so next level about, you know, connecting with today's audience too, from the podcast, QR codes, you know, the little things like that is just making it so easy for fans to jump in. And I know when I've handed off books to new fans that are trying to look for something new, I'm always handing off massive stuff. Tom is probably prime example. We don't talk about this on air a lot, but that's how he got introduced to it. And now it's, you know, snowballing into more people getting involved. But it's just reflection of the work being done. So I do have a question around kind of you learning the editorial business. Like, yeah, I, I know it's been there's been talks where you have never edited a comic book. And here you are like orchestrating a ridiculous mayhem of organized chaos between a multitude of creators for someone that is like interested in getting into either editing comics or the business um what it, what are some advice that you have for somebody thinking about doing it and what type of skills do you wish you knew when you first started to to kind of like you know that you could give to to somebody okay so step one is you've got to start a power rangers podcast Yes. Um, you yeah. just that's that's you just have to, right? That's I I know one way in that has ever worked and it's start a Power Rangers podcast. So Check. you do that, you got to do that for like 6 years of basically no one listening, <laughs> then some guy will come on your podcast, he'll ask you for some help with his Power Rangers comics, dot dot dot, he'll ask you to edit Radiant Black. Um no, I don't I wish I could answer that question. Really, I do. I don't. The only way in that I know is mine, and I cannot recommend my way in. Um, I, 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 I guess you should read a lot of comics and try and find people who are making them and try to help them make them. I think, I think the skill that I have that is the most useful as an editor is I can do everything a little bit. And I like... 
I can't write a book like Kyle or Ryan or Melissa or Matt or any of the thousands of writers. I certainly can't draw a book like Erica or Abel or Eduardo or Marcelo or French or I'm not going to list everyone I've ever worked with. I can't letter a book like Becca or Hass. I can't color a book like Igor or Natalia. But in a situation where like there's a line of dialogue that Kyle can't find or there's a bit of colors that, oh, we've changed the line art and we just, it needs a color tweak, but the colorist is working on another thing and won't be available or like the balloons in the wrong panel and we got the note back, but it's got to go to press tomorrow. I am able to do all of those things to the tiniest degree to like just take a bit of extra stress off someone else's plate. And I think, I don't know if the situation would be like that if I was at a publisher. Like, I think in those situations, I would have slightly different responsibilities. But on small, on, on India books, like the ones that we're making, me being able to say to like Becca, hey, Becca, you're currently lettering two issues of Radiant Black. Um, I got notes on Rogue Sun, which... I can do like these three, can you do these two and just help out a little, I think is incredibly valuable because it saves some other people a little bit of stress. And that's the real top line description of my job is trying to save other people's stress where possible. So to put it in um, Power Rangers terms, you're Billy post Zio. Yes, I'm I'm Alpha Five. I'm not out there fighting, but I can help like build a gun that'll help you destroy a guy or whatever. That's a very bad Power Rangers metaphor. I normally could do a better job. Um, that's why I said Billy. That's that's what I would say about that. I think the skill that I am developing still that I'm trying to learn is working out which people, which jobs, which books need more structured help and attention. Um, I, this is not to throw anyone under the bus. There are some people who, if I say, here is the deadline in three months, here is everything you need, go for it. They will put that into their own calendar around all their other work and they will deliver the work and I don't need to do anything. There are other people who, if I say this is the deadline, it's in three months, need checking in with, and it's never because those people are lazy or like uninterested. It's because those people have other stuff going on and more balls that they're juggling and needing to be like, hey, this is now due in two months. Are we on track? Do we need to push anything? You know, hey, this is now due in one month. Is everything going to come in on time? I think working out who those people are need because the people who are fine don't need that attention and in fact don't want it right there's nothing more annoying than when you're like i'm gonna do that on friday and on tuesday and wednesday and thursday someone is like have you done it yet and it's like no i need it for monday i'm gonna do it on friday but you, what you don't want is to give that to the other people who are like oh god i forgot about it completely when's it due again so trying to work out who needs the more focused attention and who wants and prefers to be left alone is, uh, I don't know that I'm ever going to work it out completely. It's always going to take a couple of months of working with someone to really get a handle on it. Um, but I think I've worked out that it's a problem that some people need and some people don't. And now it's just working out where to apply that leverage when necessary. 
is I think if you could come into this business with that skill, I think you would be well ahead of some other people. That's incredible. Um, that resonates with me a lot. I mean, what you're describing is a leader. Like you are essentially the leader of the massive verse in a lot of ways where you're mentoring a lot of the junior people that are learning uh, uh, the craft as, as they go and, and up and coming and then trying to figure out exactly what you need to do to get the job done in working with the different dynamics of people. Like that's a true leader in that. And that that's amazing. Um, the way that, the way that you describe it. And I think, you know, that's, that's, that's all, all good stuff for, for folks that are, that are interested in potentially becoming that. So you are, you are deemed a, the leader as much as probably, you know, you're deemed, you know, you're definitely a leader of the mass verse. You're Mr. Massiverse that, you know, that, that people. Have, I have been going around that all night. Yeah. I, I, did no, I did it. I did it. I did it. I did it. He's going to hate me, fine. but I did it. It's fine. Uh, it's interesting, right? Because I do understand that. And there is sometimes the sort of feeling that if I disappeared, some of the trains would start to crash into each other. But also I like, I feel so weird about the title just because I don't feel like I'm in control of anything. Like I don't have any say in what happens in any of these books. I give advice and suggestions and notes. And if Ryan's like, no, I'm going to kill all of the supporting cast and bring a new supporting cast into Rogue Sun. Why do you have to throw Ryan on the bus stop. like that? Just because Ryan has the craziest ideas that sometimes I have to talk him down from. That's not oh, yeah. actually true. Uh, it's truly, it's not Ryan. <laughs> yeah. um, but like, you know, if if people, if the creative teams on these books want to do something, my job is actually to facilitate it, not to stop it. So are you and the I'd massive like think, hand? We can just call you the massive hand instead of Mr. Masterverse? I don't know that that's any better, um, especially <laughs> no because problem. my hands are, I think, a normal size and I don't want people to get some sort of weird impression. Um, all of which is just to say like, it feels less like being in charge and more like being like a record producer. Like it's the band's album. All I'm here to do is try and make sure they're all making the best version of the album that they want. So um, is it safe yeah. to say you have the Midas touch or the massive touch? Maybe we can go that that route. Uh, I mean, listen, <laughs> okay, let's let's button. wait until let's wait until <laughs> we get like a six movie series and like everybody starts making millions of dollars. Um, you know, things are doing things are doing great, but I don't feel like I have the magical ability to make a book sell a hundred thousand copies at launch yet, you know? Yeah. Um, let's let's give it a little time and see what happens before we get there. In all in all seriousness, I, I just I, I like to listen to your thought processes and methodologies around it because it, it resonates with me, you know, in my normal job because I do a lot of, you know, that I, I lead a team and a lot of what you're saying resonates with me just around mentorship and deadlines and figuring things out and just really working with people and not a lot of people have have that ability and really have that e high EQ to be able to figure that out and I feel like that's a that's a big skill to have in this industry so. Thank you Thank for you. sharing that. So, no, absolutely. Before we let you go, uh, obviously the question that I know Tom and I are asking, and I think Marty is actually going to be making his first appearance this fall. Con season is coming up. I'm sure you guys are planning something for San Diego, but is New York back in the plans? And what am I going to see at PMC? Uh, I don't think I will be out in America this year, unfortunately. Um, I would love to, but I don't know if you guys know this. It's so far away from Australia. Yeah. 
It's like it's no. like so far. It's like Australia's here, and America is all the way on the other side of the big globe. Um, and also the planes cost so much money. So at the moment, there's one event later in the year that might tempt me out. I'm not. I'm not sure yet. Um, but other than that, I think my plan is hopefully with Matt to do a bunch of Australian cons. So if you guys have any listeners in Australia, uh, we're kind of hoping to be at most of them or all of, certainly anything on the East Coast. So, so Supernova, Sydney, Brisbane, Melbourne, Supernovas, Oz Comic Cons. None of that is locked in yet, but we're certainly talking about like trying to get to as many of those as we can. Um, I don't know when I'll be out in America next, unfortunately. Luckily, uh, it's not just me. We've got, you know, Kyle and Ryan and Melissa and all of the other people that we work with. Uh, hopefully some of our artists will get back out to America. I know Marcelo has been talking about it for a couple of years at this point, but it's just never been the right time and the right able to get a visa in time. Uh, I hope that you will see some of us at whatever big convention you go to. But unfortunately this year, I do not think it's going to be me. Well, I mean, it's, it's a bummer, but we, like I said, we, we had a great time meeting you last year at New York comic-con and, and just kind of seeing what the Massiverse was planning on doing. Cause obviously with such big events going on, I can imagine that, that the fans are going to be wanting to know, especially when the con seasons mm-hmm. are now ramping up about what the plans are going to be for that. Cause I know last year at San Diego was a massive one, no pun intended, but a lot of news came out of that one. And I know New York, you guys definitely made an imprint down there. So just excited to see what the fan reaction is going to be for that. And then we will try to be wherever people are. And um, like, I I know once we get into con season, like Kyle loves going to those things. So we'll be in places and around and showing up, but uh, it is just, you know, we're less than three weeks into the year. So it's a little early for us to say where we're going to be at this point. No, that's fair. No, absolutely. And I was going to say that said, like, what is the biggest takeaway that you want our listeners and readers to of the Massiverse to have about the upcoming year of projects? Like, what's the one kind of statement that you guys are really trying to focus around? Interesting. That's an interesting question. I think there's a lot of, we're in a period right now, as I talk to you, where a lot of stuff is coming to the ends of stories. Like we're reaching the end of Dead Lucky Volume 2, Rogue Sun Volume 3 of Catalyst War. Um, you know, those are sort of our big ongoings. No one's about to come to a close as well. Um, and what I think is that the stories that we have beyond that are, are some really exciting stuff that I think if people are already on board with us, like I talked to Ryan the other day about uh, volume four of Rogue Sun and what that looks like and what it might look like beyond that. Kyle and Marcelo and I are starting to talk about what Radiant Black looks like after the Catalyst War. Inferno Girl Red Book 2 is underway. We've talked a little already about Supermassive 2024. I think if people are not on board yet, hopefully this is the best year for us to be putting stuff together for you to start getting on board. Stuff like that sampler trade. Uh, and if you are on board, I think the ride to the end of these stories and then beyond, we've got some big stuff planned and I hope you will stick with us for them. No, absolutely. I mean, I think if anybody is not on board by now, it's the perfect time to get on board because with all the events going on, plus the sampler book that is coming out in the summer and then whatever else is going to be the fallout from the Catalyst War, it's a perfect time to jump into this universe because I say it once, I'll say it a million times on here and in print. This is comics most exciting universe for a reason. 
And if you pick up an issue and you're not sold on it, check your pulse because honestly, this is some of the best work in comics today. Michael, we can't say thank you enough for coming on the show. And uh, anything else you want to plug before we get on out of here? Uh, I should mention, so Moon Man 1 is out uh, January 31st. Uh, no, uh, no, no one, sorry. The Infernals 1 is out February 14th. Um, obviously, the launch of a book is really important to determining how much more of the book we get to do. So I think no one one uh sorry i keep saying no one moon man one has already been on foc but it's not too late to go in and see if your store can order over copies from diamond and you know if we have to go to a second printing we'd love to go to a second printing yes. uh mm-hmm. infernals is this going to go out this week next yes. week it'll be out by the end of this okay week. uh infernals okay so infernals one you can still order foc is i think next monday the 22nd um, so you can get to your store, you can check it out. Um, I, I think that's a really exciting book. If you like that sort of book, I think it's a great version of that sort of book. Um, those are the big things to plug because they're sort of like about to launch. Everything else has issues coming out as issues come out. Keep an eye on everybody's socials to find out when that is. Uh, and more news on some pretty big announcements within the next month or two, I think. Excellent awesome. to hear. In the liner notes of this podcast and in on the, the streaming sites, we're going to have links to the Black Market Narrative website, Michael's socials, and Comic Book Shop Locator, because we definitely want to make sure you're going down to the shops. Place your orders in now. Trust me, you're not going to want to miss the projects that are coming out. And if you can hear the sound of my voice, you need to run down there and make sure you get yourself at least two copies, because you definitely want to make sure you're supporting everything they're doing. Because it's going to be a tremendous year of great creativity. And if you're not on board, I, I can't say it enough. Get on board now and don't miss it. Michael, thank you again for Thanks checking so us out. You're stopping by to talk to us. We definitely have to catch up with you after the Catalyst work comes out. So definitely. Uh, yeah, let's talk later in the year once you know who won the vote and can get mad at me in a podcast. Okay, I'm definitely... Challenge accepted. Challenge is definitely right. accepted for that. But let's try and have Kyle on that so you can actually get mad at him and not get mad at me. Any any creators of sure. the Massiverse are welcome to come through here anytime. This is just a simple email. We will definitely make that happen. All right, so, guys, uh, thank you so much. Oh, absolutely. On behalf of Marty Stokes, Tom Craven... My name is Ken M, and we'll end this like we do each and every episode of Turn a Page. When you're at the comic shop and you have a great issue from the Massiverse in your hands and you see somebody struggling to find something at the shelves, hand yours off to them. Tell them to turn a page. We'll see you next time. Such wasted time Swiping left and swiping right On people you could know Cause anyone who's worth a damn Be worth way more than a picture could ever show You can find the right light Find the right angle And never find your soul And it can feel like a losing battle And this plot is full of holes This modern way of finding love Just makes me feel so alone And I can't be the only one Sick of staring at my phone So look up
and fable Everyone has just one true love All I know is you're across this table And you're all I'm thinking of So look up, talk to me Swiping left and swiping right on people you could know